I would like to thank you. You came here. I enjoyed your company. I said, it's haram. Because it's mentioned in the Quran. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. So if they were to choose any of those cultures, it's because they want to fit in and 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 seek acceptance. But the problem is, it's not really about the music. It's really not about the personality that they like. It's not about the way they dress even. It's about the fact that whether it's rock culture, whether it's hip hop, whether it's any of the other cultures that dominate the youth in the West, they're predominantly promoting the following. Number one, sex. Number two, drugs. Number three, alcohol. Number four, leisure, being lazy, not having to think of a future. Telling you that, listen, all you need to do is just do whatever you're doing today. One day, down the line, someone's going to knock at your door and say, listen, I like the way you sing. You have to become the next 50 Cent. You have to become the next quarterback at the NFL. That's really not reality. So I am more concerned of the culture that comes with those personalities. I am more concerned of the effects that they have on the personality of the youth and the way they dress, for example, or the way they speak. Amongst the greatest challenges, number three, that all youth face living in the West, number one, too much screen time, TV, iPhones, computer screens, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Xbox 360, video games, and an average of four hours of TV. Four hours of TV. And what do you watch when you turn on the TV? A lot of TV has become an element of destruction within every household. The things that you come across in those movies and those TV shows, especially reality shows. I don't know who invented the idea of reality shows. It was a very bad idea. Showing the reality of how people want to live. The most common incident that you find in a talk show or a TV show is there's a person, there's a woman that's pregnant who is the child, let's do DNA test. They gather six men, let's take the DNA test, see who the father of this child is. And that's supposed to be fun. That's supposed to be amusing. That's supposed to help us become better individuals. It's a tr sad reality of TV. And it also is the number one factor in wasting their time. The more you watch TV, the more you're in tune with your phone, the more you can separate yourself and put the phone away, the less likely you are to be able to memorize anything, pay attention to anything, 
comprehend anything in school. Because it gives you a very short attention span. I was very surprised when I heard, actually I heard it from himself in a recording, not face to face, from uh, Steve Jobs that he says, I have not given my children any of the Apple products. They don't even have an iPhone, they don't have an iPad, they don't have an iPod. I said, why? It's because this is bad for them. It's dangerous for them. But yet my son or daughter is three years old. Here's an iPad. Just play. All day. And we think we've done the greatest thing for our kids. I bought them an iPad. Number two is bullying. A lot of kids in the West face bullying. Whether being bullied by their teachers, or being bullied by friends, or they themselves become the bullies. Some Muslim kids face bullying. Whether you know they make fun of their name, or they make fun of their last name, or they make fun of the where they come from. For example, if you're Arabi, they might call you Saddam, or if you're Afghani, they call you Taliban. That's a form of bullying. But I want to talk about a specific form of bullying right now. Bullying within the household. Some parents are truly bullies. They want to have a say in everything that their child wants to do, especially teens. Do we not understand teenagers don't like that? Do we not comprehend that they need their own space? Help them make decisions. If they make mistakes, it's a way for them to learn and to become wiser. Help them, prevent them from making the mistakes by speaking to them, by advising them, by empowering them. But if they make a mistake, help them not to repeat the mistake. Some parents, they bully their children in the way they dress. They bully their children when they want to change, when they want to choose a career. For example, he wants to do political science. He wants a major in history. His dad tells him you have to go to medical school. This is a decision that he needs to make. You can talk to him. You can advise him. You can help him. But you certainly cannot bully him when it comes to choosing his major. More importantly, another area of bullying from parents is about marriage. If your child does not want to get married, if your child is not ready for marriage, don't bully them into getting married. Don't tell her, what? Now you're too old, you're 18. You have to get married. Why are you rejecting all those people that come and ask for your hand? You're not gonna live with her. You're not going to live her life. If she is not ready for marriage, you cannot force her to get married. That's why we find many of the marriages in our community now failing. Why? Because of the bullying of the parents. Because every time the grandpa sees his grandson, I am now too old. I wonder if I'm ever going to see you married. I wonder if I'm ever going to see your children. The parents, the aunts, the uncles. 
And not just in marriage, but who to marry as well. Someone says, my dad told me I'll give you all the options you want when it comes to marriage, but you have to marry someone from our own culture. And she has to be from our family, and she has to be one of your cousins. No, you Considered bullying indeed. And on the other hand, some of the teens become bullies to their parents. Anything their parents tell them, there is an explosion. There is another member of ISIS. As even if there is something that's small, even if, for example, her mom tells her mama, maybe you should change what why? You should respect this mother that took care of you nine months, she held you in her stomach. <coughs> when you were born, she was the one that fed you, she was the one that took care of you, she was the one that nurtured you, she was the one that did not sleep the night. When you were ill, <coughs> now that you've grown up, you speak to her like this. Some parents tell their teens, come home, for example, at 11, <coughs> at 12. They don't abide by them. They don't understand the philosophy behind it. Yes, you don't understand because you're not a mother. Because you're not a father. Because those people put their entire life to raise you, to take care of you. They didn't want to scratch on your skin. Now after midnight, they can't sleep. Your mom is not gonna sleep. Your dad's not gonna sleep waiting for you to come home. What happened to my son? Did he get in a car accident? Did he die? Are the police going to call me? Are they going to call me from a hospital? Is he hanging out with their own friends? Is he doing drugs? Is he drinking? Is he, is he? And by the time you come home, you give them heart attacks. Don't be so selfish. Cut down the hours of hanging out with your friends. It doesn't, it's not going to change anything in your life. Be home by the time they want you to be home. To please them. To make them happy. When you speak to them, speak to them with kindness, with respect. Even if they tell you something that is wrong. Try to sit and speak to them. Try to compromise with them. But don't ever bully your parents. <clears throat> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, even if you worship your whole life, and you go to the Kaaba a million times, and you do a million ziyarah, and you gain a million dollars and you donate all of that for the sake of Allah. If your parents are not satisfied with you, I am not satisfied with you. If you make, if you bring the wrath of your parents, the anger of your parents, I will be angry with you. And hadith say in the day of judgment, those sinners that were kind to their parents, Allah will find them an excuse to send them to paradise because their parents are happy with them. Their parents are content with them. They say one of our greatest scholars, they asked him, what is behind your success? What is, the, what is it that's made you so successful? He says, I was the dumbest person you can ever come across. I was dumb. Nobody was dumber than me. He said, one night I was sitting down, I couldn't sleep. He said, I was thinking, why is it that 
you know, everybody's so smart, everybody's learning in school. I don't learn anything. So he said, my mom told me, son, he was a teen, get up and bring me some water. His mom was very old. So he said, I looked outside, I had to go to the whale and dig water. So he said, I looked outside, it was snowing. So I said, I should up, man. And this cold and the snow, I have to go and bring water for it? So he said, I thought about it. I said, that's my mom. That's my mother. She went through all this hardship because of me. So he said, I got up, I wore my clothes. I went outside and I saw that the well was frozen. So he said, by the time I dug water, I brought the water, it took a long time. I came back, she was asleep. She had fallen asleep again. So I said, okay, I did all of that for nothing. I was going to go to sleep and I, but then I realized, what if she wakes up and she thinks I never want to get her water? That's going to disappoint her. That's going to break her heart. So he said, I stood there waiting until she woke up. When she woke up, I told her, mom, this is the water you asked for. She said, I saw her lips moving. After that, I became wild. The dua of my mother. A sincere dua that came from her heart. And some of us, we have lost our mothers. We have lost our fathers. But we should not lose on their dua and prayers. For if you do anything for them, any form of sadaqah jariyah or thawab in their name, then they will do dua for you. Especially in times like this, those souls look, what is my son doing for me? It's Muharram. I want thawab. I need the thawab in the grave. In the month of Ramadan, in the month of Rajab, in the month of Sha'ban, in the time of Hajj, they're always wondering, is my son going to perform Hajj on my behalf? Is my son going to remember me in one of the nights of Muharram? Is my daughter going to read me Fatiha every day after Salah? This is a gift to your parents, and in return they do dua for you. And if you have your parents and they're still alive, hold on to them. Respect them, love them. They are your guests. Tomorrow you will not have the pleasure of being able to look at the face of your mother. Enjoying the presence and the love of your mother. Don't take advantage of her. Don't take advantage of this blessing. If you have time, and if your mother lives away from you, speak to her. Be kind to her. A man comes to Imam al-Sadiq, he says, Ya ibn Rasulullah, I carried my mother, she was old, she couldn't walk, and she did hajj. I carried her in tawaf, I carried her in mina, I carried her in muzdalafa, I carried her to stone the shaytan. Did I do my part in returning the favor for her? Rasul Imam al-Sadiq says, you did not repay even one of the contractions that she had when she was giving birth to you. The pain of delivery, you didn't even do that. Let alone every time she could not sleep the night worrying about your future, worrying about your exams, worrying about what you're going to wear, what you're going to do. That is why Allah says that paradise is beneath the feet of the mothers. Humiliate yourself, become humble so that you put yourself under the feet of your mother.
Don't become the boss. Don't become vicious. Don't become a bully to your parents. Number three, one of the challenges is alcohol and drugs. And this is something we have to take very seriously. Because it's haram, because it's mentioned in the Quran, and because it will lead to destruction, wallah, brothers and sisters. There is a reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it is an act of indecency from the shaytan. The crimes committed, the drunk driving, the youth who die, the youngsters who die every day in the West because of drunk driving. Because he got drunk and he got stabbed. Because he got drunk and he got into a fight. Because he got drunk and he said something and someone retaliated and it resulted to a murder. Several years ago I went to a community. I was picked up by one of the youth. So he picked me up and we had a long drive. I saw him, mashallah, he was so muaddam, he was so kind, he had great akhlaq. And then he stayed with me the whole time. We were hanging out every day, going for lunch, going for dinner, going to the majlis, going to people's homes later on after the majlis. And then we had a long drive back to the airport. So he told me, Sayyid, I would like to thank you. You came here. I enjoyed your company. I said, likewise. I would like to thank you. I really enjoyed your company. I am very pleased to come across a young man like you with such iman with such akhlaq, with such piety. So he said, Sayyid, to tell you the truth, I wasn't like this. But something changed me. I said to him, what? Well, he said, Sayyid, I used to be in a gang. And I committed so much crime, I didn't care. The judge would tell me, son, you're gonna face eight years in prison. He says, I don't have anything to lose. I was a bully. I was a gangster. I was a criminal. He said one day me and my friends were out. We all had drink. My friend who was driving was also drunk. I was drunk. The rest of the people in the car was, were drunk. He said I was the first person. They dropped me off around 5, 6 in the morning. He said 20 minutes later I received a call on his phone. I picked up the phone. I thought it was him, but it wasn't. It was the police saying that this is the last number dialed on this phone. There is a car accident. Please, if you can. So he said, I rushed. I saw that my, my friend had died. I had died in a very bad way. He had lost his head and some of his body parts. And... So he said, I called his parents. We gathered. We took him to a place to get washed and I went home so that later on we buried him. He said, I couldn't blink an eye, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't think, I couldn't eat. I was thinking, what if I was in that car for another 10 minutes? That could have been me. I could have been the one laying in that grave. It's not because Allah says alcohol and drugs are haram. 
It's because logic tells you it's haram. You're destroying yourself. Allah tells you you're a human. I have given you aql. You tell him, no, I want to be an animal. I don't want the aql you've given me. Allah says, I've given you the opportunity and the honor to think, to make decisions, to be rational. You say, no, 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 no. I want to go against that. I don't want to have ration. I don't want to have wisdom. I want to lose it. Thinking that, you know, when we act like animals, that's going to last forever. Not knowing that it's something that will only be momentarily. And tomorrow when you wake up, people will tell you, do you know what you did last night in that party? No, I don't. I don't remember. Well, So he said, I went, in the last moment, I saw this man, I looked at his body, then I saw them take down that body in the grave. So I was looking, I was saying, this man is two months older than me. He's not even 20 years old. Now he's going into his grave. He didn't have time to seek for forgiveness. He didn't have time to apologize to his parents. He didn't have time to apologize to all those people he abused. He didn't have time to apologize to all those people he did the ghibah and namima and lie and cheat. He did not have time to spend with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and spirituality and salah. He didn't have time to go to hajj. He didn't have time to attend the majlis. What if this was me? He said, I kept asking myself, am I? Saw him. No, 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 it's real. He went in the grave, they put the dust on him, and they said, everybody leave. He said, I went home, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat, I couldn't think. He said, the next day I woke up, I drove back to the graveyard. Early in the morning, I went to the management's office. I said, yes, I'm here to buy a grave. So he said, okay, this is how much it is. He said, I wrote him a check, I gave him the check. He said, can I have the ID affiliated with the name? He said, I gave him my ID. He looked at the ID, he said, young man, you're very young. Are you sick? No. Are you gonna die soon? I hope not. Why are you buying your grave? Go live your life. He said, indeed, from today onwards, I will live my life. Allah says, you're so busy with friends, with school, with money, with music, with this, with that. Once you visit the graveyard, you see the dead, you will have an eye-opening experience. You realize, what if this was me? What if I was that person? Number four. Another challenge that all you face is lower family commitment and ties, especially in the West. In the Middle East, you may live with your parents, you see your parents every day, families of utmost importance there, but when you come to the West, there's no respect to family, there's no family values. I've said this many times, I said once I went, to buy a cell phone charger somewhere in America. 
I saw a bulletin board in that cell phone store. I had a picture of a father, a mother, a daughter, a son, with arrows pointing to one another and smiles, saying, add another line to your family plan for $9.09. Okay, we understand that. Then it says, this is what we call family values. What's family values? $9.09. There, no, there is no such thing as a family anymore, unfortunately. Because 60% to 80% of children born after the year 2010 are born out of wedlock. The child doesn't know his parents. That is a big problem. It will leave the child tomorrow when he goes to school. He says, everybody has a father. Dropping him off. How come I don't have one? Who's my father? How come I come from a split family? That creates split personalities within them. Another problem is heightened, stressful family relations. Problems in the house. The father and the mother always going at it, always having an argument, always disrespecting one another, always arguing with one another. If you have problems, at least don't do it in front of your children out of the respect for them, out of respect for yourself, out of respect for your family. The greatest institution in the religion of Islam, greater than the masjid is the institution of family. Allah says whoever is married has fulfilled half of his faith. Allah doesn't even say that about salah, about hajj, about siyam. Man faqad This is what a family is. If a person prays and is married, his prayer is multiplied by 70 times than a single person that's not married. Look at the value that God gives to family. Look at the value and the status that Allah puts towards starting a family. Let's respect this home. And everybody now are looking for a peace of mind within the home. For a home to be a place of tranquility, a place of ease. The first thing that the parents need to do is because the child sees that his whole world and his parents. If his parents are good, then everything is good. The world is nice. It's a good place. But if the parents are not good to one another, the child sees the world to be a miserable place. Imam Hussein has asked, who should I marry my daughter to? He doesn't say marry her to the richest person. To the most handsome man. He says, marry her to a person with Iman. Because let's face it, either he's going to love her or not love her. Not every marriage has love. Right? I know we're in the Christmas season, but let's be realistic. So if he loves her, he will be kind to her. But if he does not love her, he won't abuse her. He won't abuse her. He won't take advantage of his power and strength over her. Just because he's the one that spends, just because he's the one with more power and authority, then he has to be the bully in the house. 
Wallah, brothers, sisters, we have to answer to Allah on the day of judgment. For every word that we say, for every heart that we break, for every tear that we cause within the family, especially within the family. And even the wife, go look for someone that has iman, that has akhlaq. If you get married for the sake of looks, okay. I'm not saying don't get married, get married someone that you don't approve of their looks. You don't find them attractive. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But get married to a person that has something greater than just looks and physical appearance. Because the physical appearance, even if you live in the most beautiful house right in front of the beach here, with a garden and most beautiful flowers, every day you look at this view. If the view is peaceful, then you're going to enjoy it. But if as soon as you sit to look at the view, something comes and shouts in your ears, are you going to tolerate it? Are you going to enjoy it? Some marriages, some youth, because of this issue, because of some broken marriages, some failed marriages run away from their homes. They leave this home, they run away from their parents. They seek peace elsewhere. And this is a reality. Forty years, fifty years, those people are in an argument, in a constant battle. They say a person from LA, he took his wife to a vacation to Jerusalem on their fiftieth anniversary. So he went to Jerusalem on the fiftieth anniversary. She died there in Jerusalem. So they came. They said to him, "You have two options. Number one." You take your wife with you back to California, that's going to cost you $10,000. Second option, you bury her in the Holy Land for $1,000. The Holy Land is, you should look for that. So he said, let me think. And he came, he said, no, I'm going to take her. Oh, really? Wow. You love her so much. He said, no. Jesus died here in four days. He was resurrected. <laughs> so sometimes after 50 years there are such marriages another thing that I want to shed light upon very quickly I don't have much time anymore is obesity that's another challenge that some of our youth face and it tampers with their self-esteem and I believe, here in the West, we don't just need masjids. We don't just need Husseiniyah. We don't just need schools. But we need an environment that counsels the youth, speaks to the youth, empowers the youth, even allows them to be active in sports. Because you don't let your daughter go to the gym because it's mixed. Or even if you do, she might not be comfortable because this goes against the teachings of Islam. So we have to be able to provide that environment for them. We have to allow them to live happily 
But when we give them the options, not we only take away the options from them, but we don't give them an alternative. I want to wrap up by talking about the challenges that Muslim youth face specifically in the West. One of the greatest challenges that Muslim youth face in the West is that they find everything in society to be action more than theory to translate into reality. So when you put money in the bank, it's a reality, you're going to have $500. If you deposit $500, you're going to be able to withdraw $500. It's not a theory, it's a fact. They, if you go to school for three, four years, you can finish an MBA. If you go to law school, you can finish, if you study, you go to law school, then you graduate, you can become an attorney. You go to medical school, you become a medical doctor. Then they see their surroundings. For example, in school, there's realities. In churches, there's realities. What do I mean? The Christians tell their congregation, look, all you need to do is just call yourself a Christian. I don't care what you've done in the past week. All you need to do is just love Jesus. We don't care what you are. We don't care what you've done, Jesus died for your sins. Just say, oh Lord, and your sins will be forgiven. That's it. That's it. And we accept you the way you are. The Jews say, even if you're atheist, call yourself a Jew. Jewish atheist, we accept you. But they come to the masjid and there is just theory, no reality. They come to the Islamic house of worship. It's just theory, no reality. For example, the Sayyid here tells them we love the youth, we want to embrace the youth, the youth are the future of Islam. But is there someone in the community that says, is there a youth in my community that has good grades? I see a potential in him, he's going to be a good attorney, he's going to be a good doctor, but doesn't have the money. I'm going to empower him, I'm going to give him money so he can finish school. That's when it becomes a reality. For now it's just theory. I see a youth, he wants to get married, he's a good person. He genuinely needs some money, some help so that I can get him married. We in Islam have a lot of theory, well marry the youth, marriage is good, you have a lot of thawab, but does it translate to reality? How many people, how many youth in the, in the West are approached by someone in their community, I know it's time for you to get married. I know, for example, you want to get married to this person. You've been engaged for a year. I know you don't have money. I'm going to give you money so you get married for the sake of Allah. You know that there are youth who are skilled, who are skilled. They have skills. He can become a millionaire. He can become a billionaire at what he does. But he needs some money to start a business. Believe in him. Help him start a business. That's when our masjids become realities, not just theory. And more importantly, we tell them, we accept them, we welcome them. That's also a theory. Let it become a reality. Be warm to them. Give if they come forward. If they take one step towards you, take ten steps towards them. Embrace them. They are going to be the leaders of this community and every other community in the West. Yes, we're, 
Not to be like the Christians or the Jews that you can be whatever you like. We cannot be like the Jews and the Christians. Yes, if you're an atheist Muslim, you can believe in Adam and Eve or Adam and Steve, but still you are a Muslim. No, that's not the case. But we can also be tolerant. If they come with problems, if they, be, if they come with baggage, we should not throw them under the bus. We should embrace them. We should help them. And amongst the greatest of challenges that Muslim youth face is lack of leadership, lack of role models. Lack of role models. Even if there is good people in the community, good uncles in the community, 50, 60, 70 years old, they're mu'min, they're successful, they're generous, they're kind, they're successful in their family, in their business. But he sees this person did not live the same realities that I have. He did not grow up in the West. This person had different challenges that I had. He really cannot look up to his father as being his role model in every aspect of life. Yes, in many things, maybe. So if we find role models for our youth, we should empower them. The day of Ashura is a day where the youth looked towards their role models. They learned from their role models. And tonight is, a de is dedicated to the beautiful youth, the son of Imam Hussein, Ali al Akbar, the beloved of Imam Hussein. Imam Hussein truly loved Ali al Akbar. He gave permission to all his family, all his <coughs> companions to leave, but he never direct, directly told Ali al Akbar to leave him. He even told Abbas, you can leave. He told Bani Hashim, you may leave. But he never wanted to separate himself from his son Ali. He came to his father. He looked at his father and Imam Hussein knew exactly why he had come. So Imam Hussein, he stood up without saying anything. He said, Ilayya, Ilayya, Bunayya, Ali. Hatta ashummuka wa tashummuni. Wa astakthiru mink wa tastakthiru minni. Oh my son Ali, come towards me so I hug you, I embrace you, I smell your scent. Those are the last moments. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.